Welcome to another episode of the Three Guys Analyze podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Joining us are Tony and Rick. So our first topic we're getting today on this Thanksgiving weekend is looking backwards. And uh, big game was on last week, Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio State did not cover the 18-point spread, coming away with only an 11-point victory, 28-17. to Now, guys, we've all talked about this already, I'm sure, amongst friends here. But I think the big thing is, and my big takeaway is, should this game been as close as what it was? Ohio State had three turnovers, three fumbles. Penn State scored 14 points in about five seconds. Tony, was this game as close as the 11-point spread that it shows? Um, I don't think so. I think, we, you know, Ohio State, we, we jumped out to a 21-point lead early. Um, and, you know, we just kind of – we just kept making mental mistakes. Um, but it was good that we um, – as Ohio State fans showed that we can um, allow Ohio State to get punched in the mouth and see how they how they take it a little bit, and I think this week, as we'll talk about, I think we'll, they'll get um, even bigger of a punch to get them ready for the playoffs. Um, but I think overall, you know, Chase Young coming back from his suspension, I think he looked good. I think he definitely um, put his name back into the Heisman. I guess, finalist conversation. And, you know, it was an overall, I mean, a good effort by Ohio State for sure. And um, I think looking looking forward then, I think it put them in a good spot for their next couple of weeks. Okay. I, you make some good points. Ricky, um, at no point during this game was I ever afraid of anything that Penn State did, uh, whether that was running or passing. Was there ever a point in this game where you thought the conclusion was in doubt? No, I think the uh, point spread was correct at 18. Probably should have been actually a field goal higher to 21. Um, you know, if you look at how the game started, uh, we stopped their offense, quick, uh, quick three and out, um, got the ball, went on a long drive, both running and passing. Uh, they didn't really have an answer for either. Um, J.K. Dobbins played uh, extremely well. Um, as did our receiving core and, and Justin Fields, as always. Um, then, you know, you get another stop. We go, what, 93 yards, and uh, it's a, um, I'll say, a 50-50 play there where they punch the ball out of the goal line, uh, recover it for a, uh, a touchback. So, really, it should have been 14-0. It turns out it's still 7-0. We stop them again, get the ball back, go on a long drive, 14-0 at halftime. So, um that fumble, and then, like Tony mentioned, the two quick fumbles in a second or third quarter that allowed Penn State to get back into it. Um, it made the score seem a lot closer than it actually was. Uh, I got to say, Ohio State is pretty terrifying. Uh, that offense is very well balanced. You've got stars all over the field. You've also got upper classmen, which I think is huge going into the playoffs. Uh, and then on defense, I mean, we saw the impact that Chase Young had every third down passing situation that Penn State was in, uh, they just turned their ears back, and uh, Chase Young seemed to be back there blowing plays up left and right. So I'd be pretty nervous as any of the other four teams in the playoffs to have to go up against Ohio State. Quickly, Tony, is Chase Young the best college football player in the country? I would say in terms of non-quarterback, I guess, yes. Ricky, best player in the country, Chase Young? 
I don't know why you have to qualify it by saying in terms of a non-quarterback. He's by far head and shoulders the best player in uh, college football, regardless of position. He would be the number one draft pick if it wasn't for the fact quarterbacks are valued so high when it comes April. And I guarantee you he's the number one player on Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay's big board heading into the draft. He, I, uh, I heard a uh, uh, on ESPN today, or, or not today, this week, it said Chase was better than both of the Bosa brothers and that he actually, they were having to rewrite some of the metrics they use in college football to track how good these players are because he was breaking their metric system. So, um, yes, he is the, the best uh, Ohio State player I've personally seen probably since Zeke, and uh, I think he's the best player in college football. Yeah, like when I watch Chase Young play, it's like, you know, he can't be blocked. And he's going to get in the backfield. He's going to disrupt. I mean, he's faster than the guys he's going up against. He's stronger than the guys he's – I mean, he – they – I mean, the funny thing is Penn State wasn't even trying to block him. Like, they weren't helping out with the tight end. They were just leaving their tackle just to get demolished and blown by and dominated on every single play, which I just – I don't know what James Franklin was thinking there. You know, they talk about how how they have this great tight end on their team. Well, he's not a tight end because he never actually lined up in tight and blocked anyone. He just wanted to run routes. So I, I just feel like when Chase Young is on the field, like you have to route your offense around him. Like he's that much of a disruption. Um, and I look, if, if this wasn't a quarterback driven trophy, which is a high, what, what the Heisman trophy is, I think he would win it without a doubt. Unquestionably, he's the best defensive player in the NCAA. The best since, I don't know, when Nadamakong Sue made a run at it. But, uh, Tony, do you feel like you have to couch it with the quarterback thing, or do you do you think Burrow is better than him? I think because Joe Burrow is a quarterback and the way we do value quarterbacks, I think that's why you need to say that he's the non, best non-quarterback. Uh, you know, Chase Young, I mean, he is so dominant. I mean, you did see he had so many one-on-one matchups against the tackle of Penn State, and he just blew by him or he would just – I mean, it was a one move, and and the tackle was done. Um, he definitely – I mean, he made – I mean, you could say he, he could be uh, on the all-decade team for sure, and I, I definitely agree he was better than both of uh, the Bosa brothers. Um, I, I definitely think Chase Young is making the Heisman conversation a little more closer. And um, a couple weeks ago, Ricky talked about the narrative surrounding a player – and I think the narrative surrounding Chase Young with his two-game suspension definitely um, lingers over as well. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely picking up a few sacks in those games. And I think at the end of the year, uh, next year in the NFL, that uh, the top three of the top four uh, defensive linemen in the league could all have graduated from Ohio State uh, with the Bosas and with Chase Young in there. I mean – those guys are pretty good, and Ohio State just – they know how to recruit, I guess. So, with this win, Ohio State over Penn State, we get to the college rankings, which kind of folds in pretty well. Uh, the big thing this week, and the much-debated topic on, you know, the sports programs and the commenters and whatnot, Ohio State moves into the first-place position in the all-important college football rankings. Now, you might say, you know, does that matter? Well, it – gets them to play the number four seed in this case, which would get them out of playing Clemson. Uh, Ricky, uh, is this a really big move here for Ohio State 
becoming a number one and do they deserve it? So to answer your first question, no. Uh, I know it's not a big move because I don't think it's necessarily meaningful. Uh, I think that we all can sit here on the, the podcast and agree that if both Ohio State and LSU win out, that LSU will re-jump Ohio State and get that number one spot, given that they'll end up playing probably number four Georgia in their conference championship game. And I think the committee value that win higher than whoever Ohio State ends up with, whether it be Wisconsin or Minnesota. Um, now, what I will say is, do they deserve it? Um, that's debatable. I, I take issue with the fact that there's little consistency in how the committee is ranking these teams week to week, which then leads me as a fan a uh, little uh, belief in the system when it comes down to picking the best four teams that they're going to do it consistent year over year or even week over week. I think LSU has better wins than Ohio State. I think they've looked as impressive as Ohio State. I think the committee's put them number one the entire season for a reason, and they still have that win against Alabama. So, um, you know, for me as an Ohio State fan, I'm thrilled because the last thing, as we discussed last week, that we want to see is a Clemson matchup in the, the first round of the playoffs. Um, but as just a uh, observer of college football and observing how the playoff committee does these selections, it does seem very prisoner of the moment knee-jerk reaction that, oh, LSU, because you beat Alabama, who, oh, by the way, was the number, what, two or three team at, at that time, uh, because you beat Alabama, but that was two weeks ago, and now Ohio State just beat the number eight team, we're going to put Ohio State number one. It just doesn't seem to make sense um, to me, but uh, I am happy that they're number one, and uh, and hopefully there's some things in the SEC that will allow them to maintain that number one ranking going into playoffs. Now, now, Tony, do you feel the same way? Do you think Ohio State deserves to be number one? And secondarily, do you think they'll stay at number one if they went out? Um, you know, the, the chairman of the, of the committee, uh, Mullins, he, he talked about how they felt Ohio State was the most complete team. And, and I think that, that's due credit to the fact that Ohio State does lead the nation in number one scoring offense and their number one in scoring defense as LSU is more um, in the mid-20s as far as scoring defense. Um, so I, I can see the argument that they are the more complete team. And, but, however, I mean, if you, if you want to look at resumes, then I think as of right now, yes, Ohio State has beaten at right now the number 10 team, the number 12 team, um, and the number 19 team. And then LSU then has beaten – you know, number five, number 11, number 15. So, I mean, I, these are equal resumes. Um, and I, I guess, like, right now, how well Ohio State defense is playing over LSU's defense is what propelled them. Um, do, can they stay you at number one? think their resumes are equal? What, what win does Ohio State have that's going and beating Alabama? Yes, right now LSU does have the best win in number five. Five Alabamas, but Alabama is. Still and I don't know that we're, we're in this early season Cincinnati victory is if they're like you know I, I think LSU would be favored by four touchdowns if they played Cincinnati today. I'm not disagreeing. The same but, Cincinnati team that struggled to beat UCLA. But but Cincinnati is still ranked, so that's that's a positive for Ohio State. Just just like having USC ranked is is going to help Utah. 
um, because that's their only loss. It'd be to a you know ranked team. Yeah, I think um, we can we can all agree to disagree that LSU has played better teams. I think we can all agree on that. Um, like you, Rick, I I was kind of surprised Ohio State moved into number one. I get it; they beat Penn State, and and obviously the the committee is not holding against them that it was closer than probably they needed to be. Now maybe they can watch it, and maybe I'm giving them too much credit. But you know, we talked earlier. I thought Ohio State was much better than Penn State was. If it wasn't for those three fumbles, the game is not going to be as close, right? And I think they can see Chase Young does make a difference. He makes them a better team, and they saw Justin Fields manage the storm and, and lead them to a victory. So maybe this whole complete team thing, that's what they mean. They have the best – they have one of the best offenses, the best defense, and maybe that matters over who they've actually beat. Now, I would agree that LSU has played better teams, and we can agree on that, like like I mentioned before. In the end, I, I don't think if – if Ohio State wins out, I, I think they'll stay at number one. I think so as well. Um, which, is that fair? No. Is this entire process based on any sort of fairness? Absolutely not. It's all subjective. Every week, they, you know, Ricky, they have different standards and different metrics, you know. Um, I, I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out. And if Ohio State can stay at number one, you know, maybe they'll get the easier matchup in the first round of the playoff. But who knows? Hell, they could lose in the, in the Big Ten championship game. They could lose to Michigan. So, uh, it's all up in the air. We still got two weeks left to play. Um, I just think it's 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 odd that they moved them to number one. Um, I, I thought if they were going to move them to number one, they would do it this week after a Michigan win. I didn't I didn't think they were going to do it after the Penn State win, however, because I mean LSU. But I I guess I mean now LSU schedule um, since it's not as back loaded as Ohio State's, um, I guess could. Uh, I guess come against them, but I guess still being number five Alabama, and then we'll see at number four Georgia. I, you know, I think the resume is going to be there for LSU to jump them if the committee wants to. But I, I, I think part of it, I, I think they kind of want Ohio State um, at number one so that, um, you know, maybe they can sneak Alabama in that way and there won't be an LSU-Alabama rematch in the first round. I can definitely see that uh, being a part of the equation. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Uh, real quickly then, uh, is there any chance that either Utah or Oklahoma make the playoff quickly? I think so. Um, I, I think right now um, Oklahoma actually has um, possibly more of a better chance to – uh, jump Utah because of the fact that Utah only ranked win will be against um, Oregon, which will be in the mid teens at that point, Oklahoma, um, you know, as long as Baylor takes care of business this week and Oklahoma takes care of business in Bedlam, I, I they're going to have two wins against Baylor who were both ranked, you know, at the time 13 and now they're up to number nine this week. And then, there's still a couple Big 12 teams down at the bottom. So I think Oklahoma's in a better position than what Utah is. Hey, right thank now. you for that very quick and, and uh, short response. Uh, quickly, uh, Rick, uh, any chance Utah and or Oklahoma make the playoff? Uh, yes and yes. 
if if Utah wins out, I think Utah's in. Uh, if Oklahoma uh, wins out and Utah loses, I think Oklahoma can get in. Okay, I I would say there's always a chance. It's either a two loss Georgia team in there, a one loss Bama team. I like uh, the different conference or conference winners in there. I think that's just cooler. It looks it looks I, better. I will say though, I. I am upset that this isn't one of the years that we have an undefeated UCF school because I think this is a perfect season to just try and throw one of those undefeated non-Power 5 schools into the playoffs and see what happens because really there's not a good option for the fourth team. No matter, unless Georgia upsets LSU in the SEC title game and they leave LSU at number four, which can happen at the possibility but outside of that, I think there's going to be really slim pickings for that number four team. And it would have been really cool if this was one of the years that we had an undefeated um, non-Power 5 school that was creeping up there in, like, you know, the 12 to 8 range that we could throw in and just see what happens. Yeah. I feel better about uh, Georgia being in there. But they haven't looked, they haven't looked great, you know. Uh, they've won, sure, but they just haven't looked spectacular. Same thing with Oklahoma. You know, if they had one loss and they've been decimating everyone else they've played, I feel better about them. But, you know, they had it. They're down by you know, so many points to Baylor, you know. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I agree. I don't think there's a clear cut number four. All right. So we are in rivalry, rivalry week, week this week. Did I say that right? Rivalry, rivalry week? <laughs> it's hard to say. That's but a I'm tough glad one. you're saying it. Look, I'm. I'll, I'll stand for all the people with bad speech out there. Uh, I am one of those individuals, even though I try to overcome my deficiencies, I, I try to do my best. So uh, this week, the big game, or the game, as people like to call it, Ohio State versus Michigan. Ohio State comes in, ranked number one, 11-0. Michigan, 9-2, 13th in the CFP rankings. Ohio State is an eight-and-a-half point favorite. Tony, keys to the game. Ohio State, Michigan. Um, can't I mean? I mean, it's the same keys. Can can Michigan stop Ohio State? I mean, lately Don Brown, has, you know, Michigan's defensive coordinator, thrown a little bit more zone than um, than what he's played before. Because last year, um, Ohio State picked Michigan apart in in man coverage for the most part, and just simple short crossing routes. And I think you're not going to see that kind of. Um, um, action. I think the weather. Uh, I think the weather's supposed to take a turn for the worst uh, this weekend, actually in Ann Arbor. And I think this is actually going to be a lot more low scoring than what people think. And I think Ohio State's going to have to show that they can grind out a victory because of uh, bad weather conditions uh, this week. Now, um, Michigan on offense. I mean, are they going to be the Michigan offense that showed up earlier in the season against um, Wisconsin? where they got slaughtered, are they going to be the one that showed up against Army that had to, you know, go to double overtime with? Um, or is this going to be the Michigan offense that showed up the past couple of weeks where the Josh Gaddis is, you know, play in space uh, or speed in space concepts um, kind of, you know, touch base. But I just – I don't think Michigan has enough firepower to keep up with Ohio State. But, you know, this is, you know, the rivalry game. You know, I – you know, being an Ohio State fan, you've, you know, we've seen Michigan, you know, you know, in years past, you know, not recent, you know, my, you know, 20 years, but, you know, we've seen Ohio State get heartbroken by Michigan 
and, we, and we've seen what can happen if they do take a tumble. And, um, I mean, records don't matter in this game. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be a grind amount battle for the most part. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, having Justin Fields and having Chase Young as well as J.K. Dobbins um, in the backfield is definitely going to um, play more of a role than um, some of Michigan's um, pl- role players after Shea Patterson. Right. Uh, Tony, would you like to – before I go to Ricky, would you like to add any more cliches to that uh... – the, the old I had a nice laugh at the records don't matter. That's that's a good one. I think they do matter actually, um, as the as the college football rankings would indicate that they do in fact matter. Uh, Ricky, is, what what do you think? Are does Michigan have what it takes to keep this game close? No, I, I don't think they do. I expect this game will be Ohio State. I think the spread last time I saw was eight points. I expect Ohio State will cover that fairly easily. Uh, this will be a double-digit game um, for me personally. Just look at common opponents, um, you know, Wisconsin being a great example. Uh, I think that Ohio State's proven they can play in any type of weather. Uh, if I had to make the case for how Michigan would keep this game close and possibly win it is – uh, weather takes a turn for the worse. Ohio State commits a few um, dumb turnovers, uh, whether it be in their own red zone or the opposing uh, Michigan's red, uh, uh, side of the field. Or um, Shea Patterson is, is the one X factor that I think can neutralize a Chase Young type uh, if he can get free with his legs and create some plays on the ground. Um, but I just don't see Michigan having – the uh, ability to keep up with Ohio State's offense. Uh, I think records do matter, as you said. I think that it matters that Michigan has lost 14 of the last 15 meetings with Ohio State. Um, So they've got that history to kind of deal with. I mean, it's amazing to me to think, you know, when we were growing up, this was such a huge rivalry and it was always circle the game every year and you didn't know who was going to win. And at that point in time, Tony's kind of right. I know it's cliche, but you really could throw records out the window. But now, I mean, for the last 15 years, you know, it's just been Ohio State dominated. Uh, Michigan's been back on their heels, and I think it really speaks to the fact that uh, I hate to say it, but Michigan's just not a top-tier football program anymore. Uh, they don't get the athletes that they used to from the recruiting process. They don't have the coaching, and I think Ohio State's going to run away with this one. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, the final score is something like uh, 38 to 17, to be quite honest. Yeah, uh, all I heard to the run-up with, with Penn State is how they have really athletic, you know, wide receivers and skill guys. And I think their skill guys are better than what Michigan has, or at least has shown so far. Um, and we handled Penn State's skill guys. I mean, I don't remember whether well, the longest play they had was like a 17-yard run. So, you know, if Michigan get, can get guys in space, I'm pretty sure our blue-chip secondary can tackle them or our – really good ranging linebackers can make stops on those. And like you said, I think, I think Shea Patterson is the X factor, but I mean, Shea Patterson, Shea Patterson. I'm not super scared of that guy. Um, he's not Trace McSorley back there. That guy had a little swagger. I'm not really high on Shea's sauce so far, but um, it's, it's the weather. I mean, that's the X factor here. The weather's going to keep Michigan in it. I think Ohio State's could probably not going to try to turn the ball over three times um, again. And I think they're going to be prepared for the weather. And, you know, uh, J.K. had 36 carries last week. 
I could see him getting the same amount this week. I think they're trying to run the ball down Michigan's throat. I think they're going to try to dominate and use that offensive line to just take over the game. And if they have four possessions in the first half and control the clock and score, I think that's all Ohio State needs to do. Um, we've seen that Fields can handle, him, handle himself in bad weather and make plays out of the passing game and rain and stuff like that. I just don't see – I don't see the, the guys that Michigan has that's going to keep this game close. Well, the thing is, Ohio State's got all guys that have been there before, too. They've all played in big games. This is a very mature team, um, lots of juniors and seniors. So I, I think that they'll, you know, it'll be on the road, but, but they'll know how to handle themselves and, uh, and come in there and, and get the W. Yeah. But, you know, hey, schedules don't matter. You know, it's, uh, it's all about the, the logo on the helmet or, or whatever. I don't know. What's, Tony, what's another cliche I can throw out there? Wow. Look, I mean, I, I think Ohio State right now the spread's at nine and a half. I think they're gonna cover the spread. I mean with ease, but I'm I'm not gonna sit there and I guess um look past an opponent, especially when they're our quote unquote biggest rival. Yeah. I guess if I mean are they a rival still? Is this Michigan State we're playing? Jeez. No, we, we, that's, that's I mean, Michigan State's, been, Michigan State's been more of a rival than Michigan for the last decade. Yeah. Harbaugh seems to have a real tough time getting his kids up for this one. Maybe if he spent less time at Walmart buying pleated pants than coaching, maybe it'd be different. <laughs> I think they should have that kid that's in that uh, Downey commercial coach. The one who's mm. keeping Harbaugh's pants wrinkle-free. He seems like he's a hard worker and knows what he's doing. Hey, I'm sure he presented a PowerPoint to the Michigan staff at one point, you know, trying to get himself on the squad. You know, you always need those GAs somewhere. Maybe you can coach the tight ends. <laughs> All right, so uh, that is the big game. Now, there's a couple other ones going on. Um, quickly here to finish up, but we have Alabama at Auburn. Or, yes, Alabama is a three-point favorite. Now, this could have implications. Um, Tony, what do you what do you think about this uh, this Iron Bowl matchup here? Alabama ten and one, Auburn eight and three. I think with the game being at Jordan Hare, I think um, Auburn has a good chance uh, at the upset here. I don't. I mean, granted, Mac Jones is quote unquote putting up two attack by low numbers right now, but he's played um, he's played Mississippi State and he's played. Western Carolina, not exactly world beaters there. Um, and right now, I mean, Auburn's Bo Nix, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we've talked previously about how um, in, in the Georgia game, he was going to be the X factor. And I think, once again, he's the X factor. And the biggest question is, has, has he done enough this year? Has he grown up enough this year to the point where he can, he can lead an upset, where he can, he can lead his team to victory? Because that defense is going to show up. I mean, he's held – that defense has held LSU and Georgia to um, below average in terms of um, yards per game as well as points per game. And, I mean, obviously now even with Mac Jones at quarterback, they'll be below that because of how well Auburn's defense plays. So I think it be one of those uh, classic um, Auburn upsets where, um, you know, they come in and they might even get up a couple scores before Alabama – 
shows up. Um, I think Alabama is going to have another special teams miscue um, that's going to lead to Auburn points. And I think uh, Auburn's going to win the turnover battle because I don't think Mac Jones is ready for this um, opportunity. I know he was a highly recruited um, pocket passer. He was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school, but, you know, I don't. I don't think he's ready for you know his first game, his first real game, I guess, being in Jordan Hare in the Iron Bowl, um, and you know, and again, this is this is such a vulnerable Alabama team that being the placeholder at five, I think this is where now they they will drop out of the top ten. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of teams rooting against Alabama. Obviously, I always root against Alabama. Um, they could be 0-10, and in the 11th game, I root for them to lose. Um, I think that goes for a lot of people, especially myself. Um, Ricky, you think Auburn can pull this one out? Obviously, they're going to get up for this one. Yeah, I think it'll be closer than maybe uh, we expect or what the spread says. I, I, I think that Alabama's going to win. I don't ever discount the fact that they have their second-string quarterback in, that that's going to somehow be the reason that they can't. Um, succeed. I mean, obviously, Ohio State showed that model uh, when they had their third-string quarterback in and still hung 50-plus uh, on Wisconsin the Big Ten championship game and then beat Oregon in the uh, or Alabama and Oregon, sorry, in the playoffs. Um, so Alabama still has talent all over that offense. Um, they've got two receivers that are definitely going to be first or second-round draft picks in next year's NFL draft. Um, they've, they've, it's just too talented of a team to say that this back quarterback who was highly recruited out of high school, uh, isn't going to be up for the challenge. And on the other side, you have a freshman in Bo Nix who, uh, has been up and down this year. And, uh, I don't think that he's necessarily lit the world on fire with his play up at this point. So I think, uh, I think Alabama is going to win. Um, the question is, is can they win impressively enough to, uh, show the committee that they deserve to get to the playoffs? over a one-loss Oklahoma or Utah team because essentially that's what you need to watch out for, right, is I think uh, whether or not that they can beat Auburn in an impressive enough fashion, because everyone says Auburn's going to get up for this game, really Alabama's going to – I mean, this is Alabama's last chance to impress the committee. They're not playing in a conference championship game. So um, I think they're going to go out there and be focused. I think they're going to keep their foot on the gas pedal, and I think they're going to try to run away with this one um, as much as they can. Yeah. I think uh, I th- obviously a win for Auburn would be really big going into next season. Bo Nix is a freshman. He'll be back. It'd be really big for them. Good momentum going into uh, the next school year. But uh, it's going to be a struggle. I think Bama, they got all that talent. And uh, it's hard to lose with all that. Okay. Last game we'll preview for this week is probably the most important. Uh, we talked about the game earlier. But this game features perhaps one of the best teams in college football, Wisconsin versus the great Minnesota Golden Gophers. Now, we've spent so much time on this podcast talking about Minnesota um, these last several weeks. We're going to try to keep this one short. Now, Tony, I know you can talk about the Gophers for the end of days, okay? But try to keep it real short. Can Minnesota win to get into the Big Ten title game? Absolutely. I think Minnesota's downfield um, passing game – is better than Wisconsin's um, in in this case. But I, I think can Minnesota be as physical as Wisconsin? I think that's the biggest 
uh, question going into this game. I think Minnesota, you know, they have the advantage. You know, they're a two-and-a-half-point dog right now. They're at home. P.J. Flex going to definitely play, uh, play off that underdog role. And, you know, game day is going to be there. And the atmosphere is definitely going to be awesome. This Saturday is definitely – Definitely a time where you, if you have multiple screens to watch TV on, get them out because this, I mean, this Saturday is going to be, you know, one of those classic Saturdays. It just has, it has that making because of how many uh, big games there are. Right. Uh, Ricky, can Minnesota win the most important thing in this college football season? Paul Bunyan's axe. So you told me to keep it short, so I'll say, uh, can they? Yes. Will they? No. Okay. That is something I really appreciate it. Uh, very concise answers. Um, don't need a wax of poetic. Just get straight to the point. And as a host, I can really appreciate that. Okay, guys, it's been a great podcast today. Nice and short one. Uh, we're all trying to empty our stomachs. So when we eat all that food tomorrow, we don't uh, – there's room for it, right? Uh, I got about six or seven pounds of turkey to eat, uh, three or four slices of pie. So, Tony, anything on the go here? Lock of the week this week, uh, UAB minus three over North Texas. Mm, The Blazers. Ricky, anything on the go this week? Uh, I will say I do have something this week. Um, I started watching uh, Watchmen on HBO, and it is fantastic. I have no idea what's going on most of the time, but it's great television, and I highly suggest people to tune in. I second that. I third that also. And uh, one for me, hey, go go out and watch Frozen 2. I watched the first one a week ago. Uh, I'm trying to get uh, convinced to watch the second one. I might do that. I might not. It depends on how much – how much masculinity I can take with me into the movie theater. So everyone have a nice Thanksgiving uh, weekend. Eat a lot of food for us. Uh, spend some time with some family. And uh, bye, Gandios. <laughs>